our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4. While you're turning, a lady in the elevator this morning at the motel saw that I was wearing a shirt and tie and said to me, you must be going to a wedding. And I said, no, ma'am. And before I could respond, she said, must be a funeral. And I said, no, I have one of them on Monday. I said, I'm going to a church service. She kind of smiled as if to show her approval. But I said, I'm preaching so it might turn into a funeral. (laughs) She said, those two functions don't go together. And I said, ma'am, numerous times I have encountered both at the same time. (laughs) So... It's not my intention this morning to demonstrate how I, how proficient I am in that area. So God be my helper. Pray for me. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8. Very familiar, very familiar. Paul said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Help us, Lord. You may be seated. Needless to say, but oftentimes... A person's closing words, whether they be in the closing minutes of their life or the closing months of their life, have a way of revealing volumes about a person's character and what their concept of life was really all about. Paul the Apostle was no no exception. I remind us that he is used by God to pen the inspired words of this, his second letter to his young protege, Timothy. And he's telling him that he's on the verge of making an exit from this world as a martyr for the cause of Jesus Christ his Lord. Matter of fact, in his own words, he said, I'm ready to be offered. Or if you will, he's telling Timothy, I'm prepared, I'm I'm willing to lay down my life on the altar for the Lord Jesus. And then he adds these significant words. For the time of my departure is at hand. In essence, he knows. He knows that he is on the verge of leaving this world for the eternal world. So it's on the heels of such a recognition that Paul utters what will be some of his last words. And as he stands in the end zone of his life and ministry, he makes three simple but significant statements. Say them with me. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. Kept my faith. All of which... Might, I might add, are highly commendable as an end of life testimony for one who has experienced saving faith. And could I say what greater epitaph could 
we have when our physical life ends for it to be said of us that we did the same. That we fought a good fight. That we finished our course. And that we kept the faith. No doubt that would be a great spiritual legacy for us to leave behind when it comes to our time to go the way of all the earth. But what has my attention this morning, and I hope we'll have yours just for a few moments, is this extracted thought from verse 7. And it involves this exemplary principle of finishing one's course. Amen. Of finishing one's course. Let me offer just three simple points prior to my main thought this morning. First of all, I want you to take note that Paul here in the text before us mentions a vivid reality. A vivid reality. That being this, that each of us individually as people of God have a race that we're to run. Let me say it's a vivid reality that God has a specific directive. He has a specific direction. And He also has a specific distance that He expects each of us to participate in that He has providentially and purposefully planned for our life. You agree with that? Say amen. But then secondly, Paul mentions a virtuous requirement. That being this, that we are to finish our course. So when Paul said, I have finished my course, he in essence was saying that he had completed his God-given assignment. In other words, he didn't pull up short of running to the finish line. He didn't quit. Now there were obviously times when Paul's course was demanding disturbing, and I would even say at times even demoralizing. Nevertheless, Paul did not allow the circumstances, nor the opposition, nor the offenses that he encountered to provoke him into falling out of the race. He finished. He finished. He finished the right way, at the right time, and on the right course. He didn't drop out. He wasn't knocked out. He stayed the course. And I think it's worth repeating. He finished. He finished. He finished. But then thirdly, take note that Paul mentions a valuable reward in verse 8. Henceforth, he states... There is a crown of righteousness that will be given to those who implement the, the principles found in verse 7. But for sake of thought this morning, in my direction of thought, let me say it this way. That Paul says there is a crown of righteousness that will be given to those who finish right. Who finish right. So in summation, let me say this. That in a day of loose commitments, in a day of lapse of continuance, and in a day of lack of character, may God help us to be finishers. 
may we finish. But more than just finish, may we finish well. Now with that principle of thought in our minds, I should tell you that Brother Josh has given me an assignment this morning of dealing with this subject, longevity in the ministry, or going the distance. Now, I assume, I assume, Brother Josh did so due to my length of age. I don't know if that's a compliment, but I am an older man now, and I, I don't resist that. Someone said aging gracefully is a nice way of saying you're slowly looking worse. <laughs> Jesus help us. I asked my personal trainer, what's the secret to having a smoking hot body at my age? And he said, in your case, cremation is probably your only option. Now, the younger men here won't understand this, but if you're older, you'll understand what I'm about to say. But old age makes us multitaskers. Multitaskers. For example, when I sneeze, I found out that I can do other things at the same time. So I assume, Brother Josh, you asked me to preach on longevity because I have some longevity of age. And possibly even due to the length of service in one church. But I can assure you, I can assure you it was not due to any expertise or special insight that I might have about longevity in the ministry. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you in one sentence in one sentence what I think to be the key to my longevity at the church I pastor. And here it is. Nobody else wanted me. (laughs) Nobody else wanted me to be their pastor. And so my family and I stayed. And a few of the members... Uh, and I say, a few of the members have stayed. And now we have 44 plus years Amen. under our belt together. Amen. And I'm thankful. I really am that the Lord has worked it out that way. Yes. But could I tell you that in years gone by, such a long-term relationship used to be common. It was normal for a preacher and a church to coexist together over the long haul. Matter of fact, such a long-term relationship, I'm told, was kind of like a marriage in that it was perceived to be till death do us part type of idea. But in this modern era, the landscape of longevity has changed dramatically. Current 
statistics tell us that the average tenure for a pastor is now only 3.6 years. In addition, more and more mission boards are reporting that the typical missionary now serves but one term on the field and then comes home and resigns. Additionally, we're being told, listen to this, that 80% of Bible school graduates who enter the ministry will leave it within the first five years. That's troubling. To say that we're experiencing an epidemic of departures from the ministry is an understatement. Listen to this. Barna reports that in the past year, 38% of pastors were seriously thinking of leaving the ministry. 38%. And a large majority of those were of the younger generation. In the same survey, it is said that in recent years that approximately 1,500 preachers have averaged leaving the ministry every month either due to burnout or conflict within the church or immorality. I don't know if those statistics are correct. It was on the internet. must be right. But if it was even remotely close, that's troubling. That's troubling. The point being that more seems to be stepping away from the pulpit faster than those who are stepping up to it. And so much so that when good men step down due to age or health issues, they're finding it almost impossible to find a credible replacement who is ready and qualified to take their place. All of which says to us is that there seems to be an alarming absence of men even in the ministry, who don't have the character and the convictions to be finishers. And could I say to those of us whom God has called, may that not be true of us. May that not be true of us. All of which, someone said this, In the race for success, speed is less important than stamina. The sticker outlasts the sprinter in life's race. Yet here in America, it seems that we're breeding more hares and not so many tortoises. Mm. Wow. Someone else said this, You can be in the race... But unless you finish, you might say the race was not in you. So with that said, let me give us just one elementary and essential key to having longevity in the ministry. And there's so many keys that could be presented here but due to time constraints. Just one thought this morning. That being this, 
Contentment. Contentment. I remind us that the Apostle Paul said this, For I have learned in whatever state I am, I don't think that primarily means South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia, though it could. He said, I've learned that whatever in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Let me reemphasize that. He had to learn this lesson about being content. And he tells us, I've learned it. What a valuable lesson to learn. I don't know if I've learned it. I'd like to say I'm in, at least in the process of learning it. Now that word learn here, I'm told, means to gain knowledge of through experience and time. So Paul is telling us that this lesson he learned about being content was not immediate or instantaneous, but rather it was through the progression of time and through certain events, which no doubt included a number of terrific times as well as a number of tough times, which helped him, he said, to learn the stabilizing and the sanctifying truths about being content. Amen. Here's somewhat of the bottom line. Paul had learned to live in complete detachment from his circumstances. Whether it was abounding with prosperity or being abased by poverty, he had learned therewith, therewith, to be content. Understand this. Discontentment shows up when we focus on what we don't have or wish we could have rather than what we do have. Listen to this. In a survey of over a thousand preachers, pastors nationwide, 23%, only 23% said they felt happy and content on a regular basis which included being content with their church and with their home life. Is it any surprise to us that so few are finishing their ministries and their marriage and with their ministries and their marriages intact when so many are so discontent with both? Which leads me to say this that we could never, never overstate the value of this biblical truth that godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In our circles, we major and focus on godliness and rightfully so. But Bible says godliness with contentment. Is great gain. And know this, we jeopardize the finishing of our course apart from both of those spiritual virtues. Could I say, 
We're talking about an essential key to having longevity in the ministry. Some years ago, I saw a drawing in a newspaper article which showed two fields divided by a fence. Both fields were about the same size. Each had sufficient grass to feed upon. Then in each field, there was a mule with his head sticking through the fence, eating grass from the other mule's pasture. At the bottom of that picture was one word. Discontentment. The point was this, that many people, and it pains me to say it, but including Sometimes us as preachers are like those two mules in that they're always looking for greener pasture elsewhere. Here's what I have made observation. I'm sure you've heard this before. But the grass in my neighbor's yard that is the greenest is usually over the septic tank. Should be a lesson there. But why is it? It's because more and more, and we have to include ourselves in this, people are just never content. They're never satisfied with what they have and where they are. Yes, sir. Are you listening to me? Dale Carnegie once said this, it isn't what you have or who you are or where you are or what you're doing that makes you happy or unhappy. Rather, it's what and how you think about it. In other words, True contentment is much more than just an acquired feeling of being satisfied. Though it does include that. But it is also an attitude which is birthed by a perception of faith, of being satisfied with how God has ordered our steps and what He has allowed us to experience. I close with this true story. John Newton, the preacher of yesteryear, who wrote our familiar hymn, Amazing Grace, 251 years ago. 251 years ago. Spake these words of realism about the limits of his role as a, pa- as a pastor of a church and the way he did ministry. It's insightful. I quote, I endeavor to walk through this world as a physician goes through an insane asylum. The patients make noise. Pester him with impertinence. Hinder him in his business. But, 
He does the best He can and gets through. End of quote. So here's what I glean from John Newton's counsel on his role as a preacher. In spite of our circumstances, in spite of our circumstances, even if it's likened to sometimes walking through an insane asylum, as it sometimes will seem to be, do the best you can when you can and while you can and where you can. Stay the course. Finish your course. And with God's enablement, finish well. Finish well. And if we'll do so, we'll hear the Lord who is the righteous judge say, well done. And would you not agree it couldn't end any better than that? And so here's my closing admonition. God help us. God help us to be numbered among the finishers. Amen. Amen.